0: Alright, what's up guys? Welcome back to the Riggles Rag Podcast. Ian Cummings here with Jacob Kameker and Nathan Britton. As always, uh, we got a new guest for you today in the offseason. We got Tim Payne at the Reality Is, a Riggles Rag contributor. Did the uh, reality checks during the season for us and a lot of great content there. And he's here with us today to talk about the offseason. And, you know, hey, do we need a reality check right now? Is the hype getting too big? So I don't know. We'll get through all that in a little bit. First off, Tim, how are you doing today? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I guess we'll just get right into it. Talk about the hype. It's uh, It's, it's been a pretty interesting offseason. Uh, started out with a splash with Landon Collins and then had some uh, lesser signings uh, with uh, Brian Quick and re-signed Adrian Peterson and got Eric Flowers, which I know that was a pretty contentious one. So, Tim, just overall thoughts. Uh, you're, you're the reality check guy. Uh, it, do we need a dose of reality here? Do we need to kind of cool down a little bit, or what's the diagnosis there?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny tracking Twitter and and blogs and, you know, your guys' articles that you've written and other articles that that local guys like J.P. Finley and some of those guys have written. It seems like people are pretty balanced so far this season. Like, unlike some, I don't feel like people are getting crazy hyped about any of these signings yet. I mean, I think some people went off the deep end on Landon Collins as if we just signed Sean Taylor and we're trying to give away 21. For the most part, I think people are... You know, maybe there's some apathy built in or maybe there's some uh, just fatigue from getting excited and then turning around and and having a bad season or whatever. But it doesn't seem like people are way overhyped for the most part. I think a lot of people are, like I said in my article, too excited about building a roster for 2019 instead of thinking about like the next two, three, four years and thinking about what's the best thing for the team, you know, in that window. But but overall, I don't think
0: uh, I don't think they've gone too crazy this offseason so far. Yeah, yeah. And that was a good point in your article, uh, long term versus short term. And uh, a lot of people are kind of thinking short term. That's kind of how the off season functions, you know, naturally. You know, th- this is stuff that's happening right now. This is stuff that's going to impact them right now. So yeah, I really like that. Nathan, I know you had some thoughts on Landon Collins. So are you still on cloud nine over there? What, you know, have you cooled off a little bit now that it's had time to settle? How do you think about that move?
2: No, I still like the move a lot, I think. I think Van come coming, he's going to do a little bit of everything. He's going to be great. I think he's a great addition. But it's almost like I've cooled down to the sense where I'm like, all right, we did that. What's next? Because they followed it up with Flowers. They re-signed some offensive lineman that played three snaps last year. They brought back Adrian Peterson. So it's exciting to have that, that big contributor on the, the defensive side of the ball where I think we're better suited for 2019 and beyond with our core there. But... We still don't have any inside linebackers. We still don't know how the corner position is going to look with Dunbar's going to be back healthy. We don't know what, what's going on with Norman. We see reports today the coaching staffs ready to move on, but the front office isn't. Uh, we don't have any big players receivers. So still love the Landon Collins thing. Still still on cloud nine that we got him, a guy who really is a redskin at heart who wanted to be here since he, his days at Alabama. He's going to come in and be a leader on that defense with the, the Alabama core and, and be a big contributor. But, it's almost like they have kind of they went in and did that and they throw their hands up. Oh, we did it. We're ready to go. We're ready to rock for 2019. And they're not even close. So I'm I'm kind of left scratching my head a little bit. But uh, over on the landing cons thing specifically, I think that it's it was one of the, the major steps in the right direction.
0: Yeah, that was generally the consensus when it happened. You know, some people thought he was overpaid, but there was some fancy footwork financially where he's only going to count four million against the cap. So it, it's a move that could pay off. I don't know, Jacob. Uh, your thoughts on Landon Collins, your thoughts on the entire offseason uh, up until this point. If you had to grade them, what would you what would you give them?
3: Uh, if I had to grade them, uh, probably, I like the Landon Collins move. I also like the Eric Flowers move. I know Flowers isn't the most exciting. He hasn't been good at the NFL level. He's been a very, very bad starting tackle, but he wasn't signed to be a starter at tackle. They're going to try to move him to guard. They may have him compete for that swing role with Jeron Christian. And it's just one year, four million there, so... I think that's a good move. I like the Collins move. You mentioned the fancy footwork they did with the cap there. He's only counted $4 million against the cap this year, which opened up an opportunity for another big signing if they wanted one. It doesn't look like that'll come to fruition, but it was still nice work. And, you know, it's a little bit of an overpay, but it's for a position of need. So far, I'd probably give him a B. Um, they've made some weird moves, like bringing back Brian Quick, it's something I don't understand at all, even if it's for the veteran minimum. But, you know, they added one big piece that should help their, um, help their team for years to come. And they added a high upside guy in Eric Flowers. And, you know, they retained Adrian Peterson, which was a fine move, too. So I think they're doing a good job. They're not going too crazy with spending either. So I, I think B
0: range is right about where they belong. All right. Yeah, that's understandable. Tim, here's an interesting question. What kind of word would you use to describe the front office thus far in uh, free agency? the front
1: office uh confused i mean it seems to me like there's there's two different minds going on a little bit which we tend to uh, believe is the case across the board um for, for years and years now it seems to me like there's one group of them that thinks they should be going all in for this year and then another group of people who are pushing to you know build a little bit more conservatively a little bit more long term so you know things like signing ap i think is a perfect example of a great deal where you're you're investing not only in production for this year but more importantly in a mentor for guys, you know, for, for the next couple of years. I mean, who, who could you ask for as a better guy for, for guys to follow and, and learn from coming back from an ACL, you know, learning how to kind of get his act together and, and be a professional and all that kind of stuff. So that seems like the perfect kind of signing for me. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I really like the case Keenum signing too. I mean, I think, you know, they got him on the cheap. They didn't have to give up much. I mean, they basically just swapped picks and paid him three and a half million, which when you look at what Fitzpatrick and, you know, Teddy Bridgewater and guys like that are getting, uh, you know, $3.5 million for Keenum is a, a pretty good deal. Um, so those are the kind of moves that I'm, I'm really excited they made. And honestly, I'm a huge fan of the Landon Collins signing, too. The ones that don't make sense to me is like, why haven't they cut Norman or traded him for somebody? Or why haven't – why didn't they trade uh, – Zach Brown? Yeah, yeah, Zach Brown. Why yeah. didn't they trade him for somebody – you know, for something instead of cutting him. Um, those are the kind of things I just wonder. I feel like somebody's fighting for some of those guys to stay on the roster and really shouldn't be, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's a lot of there's a lot of instances, uh, for certain moves where you're like, Oh yeah, they could have been a little more diligent with that or they could have done that sooner. I know you mentioned that in your article about Zach Brown. Like if, if they hadn't waited so long, you know, deliberating about that, maybe they would have had a better market. So yeah, it's interesting, and I know you were you weren't very high on the Eric Flowers signing, right? No, I mean the thing is, I, I'm all
1: for pick, taking a guy and trying to, you know, trying to push him inside off. You know, if he's a bad tackle, maybe he'll be a good guard. But everything I've seen from scouts—I'm not a scout—but everything I've seen from scouts on him is that his hands are like the worst thing about him. And from what I understand, playing guard, you kind of—that's the most important thing—is hand placement and, and you know, getting a quick punch and all of that. So it just seems like an odd guy to to try that with, uh, given how that's been his weakness in a lot of ways. So yeah, I'm curious, and I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful it's an upside, but I was thinking, man, they could have waited two more weeks and gotten him for half the price if they would have just been patient and waited around, because it didn't sound like he had a lot
0: of other offers on the table. Yeah, seriously, and you know me, I love comp picks, so they lost a comp pick. I'm yeah. I'm up in arms about that, but uh, it's interesting to see. How subjective it is because you didn't like the Eric Flowers signing, Jacob. You did like the Eric Flowers signing, uh, and Tim, you liked the Adrian Peterson signing. Jacob, you weren't as high about that. Do you want to talk about that real quick?
3: Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't mind the AP signing necessarily, but I just I, I get that he can be a mentor for Geist, and he's a solid backup. But just at the cost that it takes to get a backup running back, it's not a high cost. Peterson I don't know exactly what his deal ended up being I think original reports had two years four million a year I think it came in a little bit under that uh, I I get that he was gr- he was very good last year but he slowed down late in the year I know the offensive line was banged up so that had an impact on it but I I would just rather invest in someone with a little bit more upside than a 33 34 year old running back at this point uh, I think they overpaid for him just a little bit and um you know, I, again, it wasn't the worst move they could have made. and I think it will help Geis, but I, I wasn't as high on it as other people because I think they should have given a younger player a shot to earn a role.
0: Yeah, and and that's fair. And you look at running back. You know, it's not it's not exactly a position where you know you're you're really you're really searching for replaceable guys. I think that's something we all kind of learned this year. You know, when the Steelers didn't miss a beat without Le'Veon, and when uh, the the Chiefs inserted Damien. Wilson into their lineup and he was going, you know, it's a pretty replaceable position and paying $4 million for, or was it $4 million? Paying Paying a little too much for a 33-year-old at that position, it's never going to be completely promising. I do like the mentor aspect, though. I think you can kind of spin it in a positive light, so that's interesting. Um, let's, let's pivot a little bit. Uh, we'll, I'll go to you first, Tim, and then Nathan, I'll get you back in here. Um, there was a report recently, uh, we've kind of talked about all the individual moves, now let's talk about. Uh, how the front office functions as a whole. Because, you know, when people see these moves, when they see the blockbuster signing like Landon Collins, they kind of get caught in this euphoria, you know, where it's like, all right, we're making progress. You know, we're getting in the right direction. We're getting playmakers. But there was a report recently uh, that Jay Gruden was frustrated that he was kind of disconnected from the front office and that they were kind of working separately. Now, Craig Hoffman kind of refuted a little bit of it, but it's so predictable. It's so believable to us because that's the way it's been. And um we know that Gruden is still frustrated. We know that there's still that kind of friction there. Um, do you expect d- do the early moves of free agency give you any confidence that maybe this front office can change its ways or do you expect another offseason of the same?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there are there are glimmers of hope. I mean, to me, honestly, the fact that they didn't go sign, you know uh, CJ Mosley for you know ridiculous amount of you know guaranteed money or try to go get you know they didn't overspend for um, AB or they didn't overspend for Le'Veon Bell. I mean, any of those guys could have easily been Snyder's favorite toy, you know, uh, to to dangle in front of fans or whatever. So I mean, there's glimmers of, you know, c- c- kind of fiscal responsibility and you know the national narrative that guys, you know, the guys are pumping of, you know, the red. Right, here they go, here they go again, signing Landon Collins to this crazy deal. I mean, it hasn't been happening for you know, at least 10 years now um, where they've been like overpaying for, for free agents. Really, if anything, they've been underpaying and only picking up, you know, kind of low end, middle, you know, kind of bargain basement kind of hunting in, the, in free agency. So, I mean, I do think the the kind of, hey, focus on the draft, pick up some free agents that are, you know, a good value and hope that they can pop in your system and all that. I'm, I'm for that. And I also think that the, you know, choice to, You know, like you said, Ian, get some comp picks here and there. Let some guys go rather than overpaying them. I mean, I love Jamison Crowder and Preston Smith for the right price, but I think they both got overpaid. So, you know, I I think some of those things are a glimmer of hope.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's it's all very uh, subjective, you know, based on the case study at hand. And so, yeah, it, it varies. It varies from situation to situation. Nathan, what do you think about the front office and uh, you know how, how they're trending this offseason? Does the Landon Collins signing give you any confidence? Is it a shade of the past that he, that kind of throws you off, you know, puts you on edge a little bit? What what's your uh, thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, no, I, I think that the Landon Collins was one of those things where they knew they needed to make a big splash, and they just pick, they happened to pick the right guy. Um, their willingness to kind of sit back and, and let C.J. Mosley, who they were apparently really interested in, kind of go to New York, their willingness to not go and really get involved in the A.B. stuff, despite what everybody's saying, that they're one of the last to win or the Ryan Tannehill. Uh, it does give me a little bit of hope that they're trying to stick with their guns in the sense of not going and spending wild money on these positions that may or may not work favorably for them. Um, I like that they're they're choosing to hold on to draft picks until the right kind of situation comes about or until the draft. I know, Ian, you love comp picks. Bruce Allen, I think Bruce Allen might be the only person on the planet who loves comp picks more than you do. Um, I, <laughs> I could name one more. You uh, could? Bill Belichick. Sorry. Oh, that, yeah. that is true. They do really good with them, as you guys were saying earlier. But I'd prefer to yeah, be front...
0: compared to Bill Belichick, but I'm okay with
2: yeah, that. Yeah, I would too. Um, <laughs> but... No, I think that they are kind of—they're behaving uh, how you would hope a front office that has plans to succeed uh, would. Would, but I think when you do see the reports of the front office is the ones that want to hold on to Norman when the coaching staff is ready to move on. Um, we don't know how much truth there is to the whole Jay Gruden being frustrated or how he's not really being involved too much in the decision making or even kind of notified of what they're doing until it happens that kind of does kind of stink of the same old Redskins and the Bruce Allen and his uh you know his scapegoat type of thing I think that they're intentionally unintentionally however you want to look at it I think that we all know that Jay Green's kind of going into a lame duck year where he has Colt McCoy and Case Keenum to get him to the playoffs to make sure he can stay another year in the position and I think that They kind of see the writing on the wall. He sees the writing on the wall. Everyone around the league kind of sees that this is going to be Jagerin's final year here, barring a miracle. And they're kind of just already decided that we're not going to just fire him. We're going to let him go this year, and then not look like the bad guys who gave up too early, and just go about their business, not really involving him. Which does, again, kind of link all the way back to it's always going to be Dan and Bruce Bruce Allen's show, and until they're gone, things are never. While things might look better. There's only so much lipstick you can put on a pig, you know what I mean? It's it's it, it may look better here or there, but then the things of the McLuhan's the uh I'm blank on the guy's name who they hired to fix the public relations and he lasted all six months. Lafamina. Um, Brian Lafamina, yeah. La Fumina, yeah. They, I mean, you know, it all looks good on the surface, but when you know, when it hits the fan who's left holding uh holding the bag and it it's always Bruce and Dan. They're always gonna be there, so we're gonna have to see it. It looks good on the surface, but we'll have to see really where they go with the draft and what they continue to do throughout this this off season. I think that if they if their plan is to go in with Case Keenum or Colt McCoy as the the guy that's gonna get us to the playoffs this year, I think that there's gonna it's gonna be a long, rough season and I think that uh there's gonna be a lot of dark days ahead yeah, before we and, see sunshine.
0: And what you alluded to is kinda like the lack of direction that we felt for a a while uh, with this franchise and, you know, where where they're headed. So, Jacob, um, from this offseason, would you still get that illusion of the lack of direction is there at least some clarity where they might know what they're doing in some of these moves? Or just overall, does it still feel like they're kind of throwing darts?
3: I think if we get to the draft and we don't have a direction, we have a problem. Um, I think the direction is going to be defined by what they choose to do at quarterback. Um, yeah. uh, the, the Case Keenan move was fantastic in that they added a very cheap signal caller who can be a quality starter in the right situation. That may not be in Washington, but it costs them a swap of late-round picks and just $3.5 million. For a potential starter, someone who can fight with Colt McCoy, that's great. Now the question becomes, will they take a quarterback in the first round? If they do, that'll tell us that the direction is they believe that they're about a quarterback away from being a championship-caliber team. If they don't take a quarterback in that first round and instead opt for one in another round, we'll know that they know the team isn't quite ready for that, which I think is the consensus among fans, and I would tend to agree with that. They're they're at a stage where if they had if they got good quarterback play, they could maybe be a wild-card team, but I don't think they're any sort of legitimate contender yet, so – I, I really do think it boils down to what happens in that first round. If they take a dude like Daniel Jones with that 15th pick, um, I think you're gonna you're gonna see this kind of be a directionless team. But if they spend that somewhere else and try to build up the rest of the roster, we'll have more of a direction.
0: Yeah, and that that direction that you're talking about, um, you know, there, there's some upsides to picking a quarterback early like that. You know, get a young guy in the system, you know, get him on a rookie deal. But at the same time, you know, it just kind of speaks to what washington's tried to do for seasons on end let's maximize a roster with a broken foundation you know you can only get so far you know and we've seen their peak the last four years has been nine and seven fringe playoff team so you got to find a way to break that break that barrier get over that hump and that's something that's an inexact science for them something that they have not been able to figure out so um yeah so We'll, we'll see what happens. I know, Nathan, you want to say something real quick about quarterbacks one more time, and then we'll kind of move on.
2: Yeah, I just want to kind of touch on, we saw earlier this week that the U Giants, who sold off Odell Beckham, um, are kind of starting to hit the, starting inch closer to pushing the button on rebuild. And they, they came out and said they're not doing a ton of work on Dwayne Haskins. I don't know what you guys think of that. That might be a smokescreen. But you look at that, you look at uh, the Dolphins trading uh, Tannehill signing Fitzpatrick to kind of be the bridge guy to get into 2020, where they're going to reportedly make a run for Tua. Denver traded for Joe Flacco, who obviously isn't a long term answer, but, you know, John Oway might think so. He can't evaluate quarterbacks. So I wanted to see what you guys think. I mean, and then we saw the reports today that Kyler met with the Cardinals. It's almost, I mean, at this point, they're doing the worst job of keeping it, keeping it a secret that they're taking him number one overall. So with Rosen, obviously, going to be on the trade block. Haskins looking like he's going to get out of the top 10 unless somebody jumps up and gets him. And uh, with Haskins going there, you have Locke and Jones, one of those one of those three, if not two of those three, are going to be in, uh, in the Redskins' laps at 15, plus the whole Rosen stuff. What do you guys think about that?
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. There's a number of ways the quarterback situation could go. I mean, uh, and it's weird. I don't think I've ever seen an offseason where a team has so many potential probabilities you know uh in tow Uh, you know the Redskins already have Case Keenum so that kind of that kind of gives them a buffer there but you know they can trade for Rosen if Kyler Murray goes number one if Kyler Murray doesn't go number one and the quarterbacks are going to slide and they can get Haskins Jones or Locke it's it's crazy man there's so many possibilities and I think that's a good place to um kind of pivot back to you Tim we, we've gone over the wrong way to do things. If you were the GM, you know, let's get a reality check here. What would you do to save the offseason, put this team on the right track? Would you, uh, as Nathan was talking about, would you get one of these quarterbacks? You know, if you could trade for Rosen, would you, uh, how, just how would you put this team on the fast track to success? Yeah, it's a tough one because, I mean,
1: I think there's no faster way to jump kind of out of being terrible and jump into contention than, picking the right quarterback, you know. Um, I mean, you see teams like, you know, the Eagles a few years ago going from, you know, whatever they were, 3 and 13, you know, that they, they get Wentz and he kind of pops and they all of a sudden everybody around him looks better and and a few free agent key signings and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're in, in the Super Bowl. So that's definitely, you know, the best way to go. The thing is, if you pick the wrong guy, then you just set yourself that much further back. So I think if I was the GM, honestly, I would be, you know, I would be leaning heavily on my, on my evaluator guys. And if they said one of these guys is franchise quarterback, then I'd be, I'd be drafting them. I don't think you pass up uh, a franchise quarterback, but I, I wouldn't trade up. I I would, I would let them, let them fall where they fall. And if one of those guys that you have ranked high on your board drops down, then I'd take them, you know? Um, But I, from what I'm hearing and what I've, you know listen to and who, who what people are saying I, I i don't have any of the guys in this draft class as a lock you know franchise quarterback so i wouldn't be taking anybody at 15
0: um would you trade was, for uh would you trade for rosen see to me the thing about trading for rosen is it, i mean obviously it depends on the cost yeah but and the cardinals you know, what they do
1: yeah but i mean the thing to me is i don't see rosen based on what you know what you've seen out there I I don't see him as necessarily the answer but he's so cheap that if you could get him for a you know mid-round pick then I'd I'd throw him in there and let him compete with McCoy and Colt this year or McCoy and Keenum this year and then see you know who's where you land next year but in the meantime I wouldn't waste major draft capital on a quarterback I'd be picking you know cornerbacks and edges and and you know kind of foundational um defensive players and and let the let the offense come when when the right quarterback comes along
0: yeah and so you'd kind of build the team first and wait and maybe you know let some contracts filter out and then get the franchise quarterback
1: yeah i think so uh, i mean again if, if if a franchise quarterback comes to you at 15 then i think you take them but i just don't see any of these guys in this draft classes
0: as, as that i got you i got you that's cool yeah good thoughts jacob Um, we've got a little bit more time. Uh, you kind of mirrored those sentiments. What's your take on that?
3: Oh, my take on quarterbacks is that the only quarterback on the board that the, when the Redskins are drafting is going to be Daniel Jones. Um, if any are on the board. Um, so I think it comes down to whether or not they think Daniel Jones is the answer because how I, how I see it shaking out right now, Kyler's going to go with the first overall pick, whether or not that's the Cardinals. I'm not sure. Um, sure seems like it at the moment. Um, Haskins will find a landing spot, whether it's the the Raiders, the Bengals, or if the Giants are pulling off an elaborate smokescreen. Um, he'll go to one of those teams. But I do think Drew Locke goes to the Broncos because though Elway has Flacco, I do think that he wants a quarterback of the future, and Drew Locke is a guy that he was smitten with, according to um, some source. who I've cited in the story, but I can't remember the name of right now. Uh, but I think – Jones is the only one that might be on the board, and I like Daniel Jones, but I don't know if he'd be the franchise quarterback. So I think it boils down to that. Um, I, I personally would rather see them wait on a quarterback until next year, but whatever they choose to do, it's going to it's gonna help to define the team.
0: The point to take away is that the quarterback position is the defining aspect of your team. You know, Are, are you competing? Or are you rebuilding? Or are you just wallowing in mediocrity you know and Washington's kind of done the latter over the past few years so that's a very important position to tackle whether it's knowing that you're going to settle this year or going for the going for the franchise quarterback this year Nathan I don't know if you said this earlier but is there a guy that you'd prefer in that quarterback group
2: yeah if we're if we're going draft only I think that my guy still drew lock although if Haskins does fall to 15 I would be very intrigued I think I've always kind of just written him off as someone who's not going to be there yeah but so out of those guys, if Haskins gets that, I'd have to really think about it. and have to go back and look more at him and see what I want because I think he's more ready to go than Drew Locke is. But with Case and Colt here, as you uh, tweeted out earlier, Ian, it's not necessary for Drew Locke to come in and start right away. But if we're keeping the door open for the potential to trade for Josh Rosen, I would be all over that. I would have done that today when it got reported that the Cardinals were meeting with Kyler Murray. I would have called them up and said, what's it going to take? And I would have gotten him in here because I do think that he has. I think that if he were in this draft class, he would go number one overall, unless someone got fell in love with Kyler Murray's athleticism over pure being ready to go in the NFL as a quarterback. Again, I, I also kind of have a feeling in my gut that they're gonna they're gonna rock with Colt and, and Case and kind of be confused when they go under five hundred this year.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll be able to tell once the uh, social media platforms start pushing out those Case Keenum hype videos. With the Nate yeah. Pe- like the Nate Peterman Buffalo Bills hype video we saw in preseason. That was a that was something. But yeah, um, yeah, we'll, we'll know once they get more comfortable with him. And I, you know, that kind of seems like something they do. I'm not saying I'm opposed to that. I don't think any. I think we're all kind of on board. Like, hey, that's you know, don't force it. I do think Locke, you know, if he had an opportunity to sit behind Keenum, could be could become a franchise quarterback here. You know, because. But uh, that that's a different story. That's a more in depth draft discussion uh, that we'll have another day. Tim, we are almost out of time. You're our guest, so uh, some parting words for us, you know, uh, something to look forward to for the rest of the offseason.
1: Yeah, I'm curious just, just to hear from you guys if uh if we're at fifteen, say all the quarterbacks that we we're interested in are gone. Who's your who's your hope?
0: Who you dreaming about uh dropping to us at fifteen? I'll go I'll and go last first. because we no, know who you want it. Yeah, okay, Brian Burns, (laughs) Brian Burns, alright, next up, Nathan Uh, I would like Brian Burns there too, I would also like,
2: I know Montez Sweat has his hard thing, but I'm looking at Devin White, I think that that's someone that you can plug in the middle there and he'll be a centerpiece behind that dominant defensive line they built and if Ruben Foster can come play alongside him, I think that you'll have what you hope Mason Foster and uh, Zach Brown were going to be plus some, so that's why I'm going with Devin White Alright,
0: I'm going to see if I can guess Jacobs
2: all right, why don't you guess mine, and I'll tell you if I'm if you, if Chase you're right. Chase Winovich.
3: <laughs> no, not at 15. He's, he's my second-round pick that I think that they will take if they don't take an edge in the first round. Oh, my yes. my words, that is my uh, thing that I think well could happen. But
0: is it Montez there, you, Sweat?
3: It is Montez Sweat. Ayo. I'm a big Montez Sweat fan. Um, I don't think he's going to fall much because of the medical issue. Very unfortunate. Um, I hope everything ends up checking out okay with him. Uh, but when I watched him on tape, I saw someone who could play all three downs. Someone with good athletic ability. He's a little bit stiff in space, uh, but you know I think he'd be a perfect running mate for Ryan Kerrigan. I I wouldn't mind Brian Burns, but I'm I'm in the Montez Sweat camp. Yeah, wouldn't
0: mind for them to take him. Wouldn't mind Brian Burns. I am disgusted. No, no, (laughs) we're good. We're good.
3: We're gonna be having this debate a lot in the next month.
0: Yeah, (laughs) last year last year was Deron Payne versus Darius Guys, which um I am. I am okay with admitting that Jacob was right on that one. But this year, it's going to be Brian Burns versus Montez Sweat. You heard it here first. It's not going away until April. So, uh, Tim, who would your preference be real quick? Yeah, I'm kind of a, I'm a, a loner
1: on this one a little bit. I think uh, I think Hawkinson's my guy.
0: Hey, I can respect that. I like that. Yeah,
1: that's a, That's a nice pick. I like that, too. Yeah, to me, that the, that's been the thing that's you know our tendency break on offense has been so lame. You know, you put if Reed's out there, everybody knows we're passing, and uh, so to be able to have a legitimate Y tight end, I think would totally revolutionize us uh, offensively. Yeah. So, and I and I agree. I just think there's a lot of good edges that you can get in the
0: second round. Yeah, I wrote it yeah, for sure. I wrote a scouting report on on Hawkinson earlier this offseason, and it it ignited a fierce discussion. Like everyone was like, oh, you, you're you so dumb. You're really considering a time. It's like, hey, he's he's one of the best players available. You, know, you got to think about it because he, he's the real deal. You know, uh, if everything checks out, you know, you, you can never guarantee how a player might project. But, you know, with his traits, he, he's he's a really good prospect. So I, I definitely like that. We'll get to more draft discussion in future podcasts. Unfortunately, guys, we are out of time. Thank you for listening. And thanks to Tim at The Reality Is for joining us today Uh, we'll have some new guests on in the future thanks as always for listening peace out have a good night